Morning, church. Morning. So uh, we're continuing, we're starting a new series today. So we've just finished our series called Foundations, where we were looking at the teaching of Jesus, mainly based in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're now moving into a new sermon series called Love in Action. And this is mainly because we've looked at the teaching and now we want to look at some of the kind of practice of Jesus. Look at the actions of Jesus because we can see through the actions of Jesus it reveals who he is and shows us what we can be too and how we can learn from who Jesus is and what he does. So we're going to be looking at Luke 5 together. It's in chapter 5 verse 1 to 11 and we're going to be looking at the miracle catch um, so grab Bible if you want to, get it out on your phone, um, but we'll be looking at that together this morning. Okay. And just a reminder, guys, this, this passage in Luke 5 where, you know, there's this unbelievable catch of fish, this happened. This isn't a parable where Jesus is trying to show something in a story. This is Jesus acting in real life, and it happened. So let's read together. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, this is also known as the Sea of Galilee. The lake of Gennesaret is like the lesser known name, just so that we're all on the same page. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help him. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. So Jesus is standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and people are pressing in on him on every side. He's got people gathered around him. If you imagine the tube at rush hour when, you know, it's warm, it's sticky and people are just too close and you feel like you're a bit under someone's armpit. And so he sees these two fishing boats on the shore and he does something bold here. He just walks to one of the fishing boats and gets in. Bold. Or probably what we would term illegal. Because he just gets on the boat. And he doesn't ask Simon. He doesn't say, excuse me, Mr. Fisherman, could I use your boat? He just gets on the boat. And I was interested whether or not I could use this model of Jesus nowadays. Whether I could go down to the river and say, I need this boat. To preach the gospel of Jesus. To teach his news. Um, But I found out that legally it's termed piracy. And actually, the law says an individual boarding a vessel without permission qualifies as piracy. The guilty party may be subject to fines as well as imprisonment. So sadly, none of us can hijack people's boats for the gospel. However, what I find interesting is that the law continues. However, when an individual boards a vessel for the purposes of saving a life, they are not considered to be committing piracy. Saving a life. 
And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He boards Simon's boat and he's seeking and saving and calling Simon. And as we read the story, we reflect that Jesus is coming onto the boat and there's a huge transformational encounter. And the key question for each of us this morning is, will you let Jesus in the boat? Whether you've walked in today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian or whether you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. The challenge is for us to daily to let Jesus in the boat, into the midst of our lives. Will you let Jesus in the boat? Because that's the moment where everything changes. When Jesus gets onto Simon's boat, Simon's away from the crowds. He's washing his nets. His boat is his livelihood. It's his kind of marker, what shows him out in the community. It's his whole life. Will you let Jesus into all of your life? Will you let Jesus in the boat? Because there are three key things that I think happen to Simon and happen to us when we let Jesus in. We gain a new identity, we grow in impact, and we expand our imagination. For note takers, identity, impact, imagination. Identity. Jesus chooses Simon's boat. There's another one on the shore, but he chooses Simon's boat because he's choosing Simon. Simon, which is a name, means read or he heard. And Simon is called by Jesus and given the new identity signified by the new name that he's given, Peter. Jesus is calling out Simon's true identity. Simon's character is like that of a reed. It kind of gets washed around, pushed around by the wind and the waves. He's kind of impulsive. But Jesus says, no, you're to be Peter, a rock, steadfast. And Simon hears him. So when we let Jesus on the boat, he gives us a new identity. He calls each of us loved sons and daughters of the king. That means you're royalty. If you're a daughter or a son of a king, you are royalty. And notice in our passage, it's only when Simon sees Jesus for who he is, when Jesus reveals himself in the miracle catch, that Simon is suddenly described as Simon Peter. Because Jesus has started the process of giving him a new identity, of shaping him, so that he would begin to look like Peter, the disciple who boldly speaks at Pentecost and starts the formation of the church. So let's be people who spend time with Jesus by his spirit and with his word, allowing him to speak that new identity. As we let him into the boat, he speaks to who we are. He speaks to the flaws of our character. He speaks to call out the true identity, not the things that we've had spoken over us. Everyone else saw Simon, but Jesus saw Peter. And we often hold on to lies about ourselves that we've had spoken over us or that we've believed about ourselves. And yesterday I went to see Les Miserables at the theatre. And if you don't know the story, there is a main character called Jean Valjean. Ben is going to correct my terrible French accent. But the main character called Jean Valjean is reduced to his prison number, which is... 24601. The true Les Mis fans in the room. 24601. And the chief of police, Javert, refuses to see him as Jean Valjean. He only can see him as a number. 
And throughout the show, we see Valjean wrestle with who he is, with his identity, whether he's just a number or whether he's a name. And people may see you in a certain way, but Jesus sees you as you truly are. And it's a process of coming to Jesus daily, choosing to declare, as that song that we've just sung says, I am who you say I am. And Jesus wants to give each of us new narratives and help us to see our true identity. Bill Johnson says this great phrase that's helped me loads. He says, we cannot afford to believe something about ourselves that God doesn't believe about us. Jesus gets on the boat and he gives a new identity to Simon. And he longs to give each of us our true identity that we're loved and known by God. So when we let Jesus in the boat, we get a new identity, but we also grow in impact. Simon's a career fisherman. He's an expert in his field. Then Jesus comes along and says, let down the nets again. Even though he's been fishing all night and caught nothing. The question is, what are you an expert in? Because after a while, we get good at something and forget to invite the one in who gifted us in the first place. I remember I started a really intense graduate scheme with BHS, who are sadly now dead. Um, I got out before it ended, guys, don't worry. But I remember starting feeling so out of my depth and having to pray so many toilet prayers. Does anyone know what a toilet prayer is? It's where you've got to go find that quiet space and say, Jesus, I need you because I can't do this. But by week three... I was no longer inviting Jesus in as much. Because when we're in our element, just like Simon was, we're sometimes surprised that Jesus would want to be involved in our workplaces, in our lives. But when we forget to invite Jesus into things, we start to become dry, worn out, frustrated. How many of us are in Simon's position of being tired and worn out? And the cry of our heart is, I've been fishing all night and nothing. This is a story of encouragement to persevere, to invite Jesus into that place of frustration. Because if our cry of our heart is frustrated like Simon, we see that when he perseveres, even though all he wants to say is, are you serious, Jesus? He recognizes Jesus' authority. He recognizes that Jesus is in the boat, so it's different now. The situation is different. And Jesus says, put down those nets. And he's saying to us, invite me in. Let's go again. Invite me in and let's go again. Pray that prayer again for your family, for your workplace. Invite that friend on Alpha again. Everything changes when we invite Jesus into the situation. Jesus enables Simon to bring the fish in and see how the miracle, the miracle is formed with Simon and Jesus together in tandem. Simon's faith and perseverance is a key part of the miracle catch. Simon's the expert fisherman But Jesus is the expert creator who created the fish, the sea, and Simon. So we can invite Jesus in who longs to partner with us and grow our impact. Whatever your expertise is, Jesus is the creator of those gifts. And he wants to come as the creator and show you all the ways that you can impact the world with them. Simon and his buddies are astonished as the next come back in full to the brim And where there was absence, there's now abundance. And when we let Jesus in, we can let him on the boat and the impact can be astonishing. I remember 
when I was at university, being so kind of excited to tell people that Jesus loved them. And we set up a club mission where we'd go to the clubs, give out water and flip-flops to extremely drunk people, and try and tell them, Jesus loves you. Um, and one evening, I remember all night, we, we'd, we'd, we'd gone and we prayed, and we'd say, God, you have your way this evening. You have your way. And then we went out, and we were walking down with the water, and we had a guy called Matt with us who uh, wasn't a Christian. And I didn't know why he came with us, but he wanted to come with us. And I said, yeah, sure, come with us. And we were walking down to the place near the clubs, and one of these, a drunk clubber, singled Matt out of the crowd and shoved him into a window. And, like, he crashed into the window. And I was like, the only guy who we don't want that to happen. I mean, I didn't want it to happen to anyone, but especially not him, Lord. And... We made sure he was okay. We carried on. We did the night and I got home. And just before I got into bed, I got a message from Matt saying, I'd love to meet and talk tomorrow. I thought, no, he's going to want to know about my first aid list. He's going to want to know about my health and safety policy, which is non-existent. He's going to want to know about why this happened and no one stopped it. And so we met Matt with all my fears and he began to share his story And he said of how he'd been bullied as a child. And so he'd gone to the gym to get really big and said to himself, if anyone tries to bully me again, I'm going to be able to take them on. And he said that when that guy had shoved him into the window, he didn't feel the hate and anger that he had as a child. He felt peace and love for that person. And he said, it must have been God. So I've become a Christian. (laughs) You know, we did nothing. All we did was invite Jesus in the boat and let the nets down. And Jesus was on the boat. He made something happen. And it's just a kindness that he used us. Where do we need to let Jesus in and put the nets down again? At work, in family. Would you invite Jesus to use you again? Steve had a word two weeks ago about being culture shifters, culture shapers in our spheres of influence. Before you head into an important meeting, will you invite Jesus on board and say, Jesus, what what should we do in this meeting? Before you head to the pub or for coffee with friends, would you invite Jesus, put the nets down and see what happens? Where there was absence of impact, he can bring abundance. Because when we let Jesus in the boat, he brings impact. So he gives us a new identity. He grows our impact. And lastly, he expands our imagination. Simon's a fisherman. He's separate from the crowd. He's from Bethsaida, a small town on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. He's impulsive and later cowardly. He's not who I would pick to be the foundation of the eternal church of Jesus Christ. But he is who Jesus picks. I wouldn't pick me, but Jesus has. And sometimes we think that there's someone else more qualified, someone more holy, Someone more equipped. But Jesus has chosen you. He's called you and me just as he called those first disciples. And with Simon, Jesus saw powerful Peter. Where there were no fish, Jesus saw an abundance of fish. The picture that Jesus had for Peter's life was audacious. And the same is true for our lives. His plan is so much bigger than we could ever realize. That's why Paul writes to the church in Ephesians with a prayer. And he prays this prayer in Ephesians 3. Imagine he's writing this to you. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God wants to powerfully give you his Holy Spirit in a way that surpasses your knowledge. So that he can do something transformative in you and then through you. And I know people last week encountered Holy Spirit powerfully last week. He meets with us to bring transformation so that we can offer something transformative to the world. He can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Paul is saying, don't box him. Be ready to see the miracle. Be ready to see those fish appear. Be ready to see lives changed. Simon Peter thought Jesus was giving him a refresher course in how to fish. But the plan was bigger. Simon Peter thought he was being taught to fish for fish, but he was being taught to fish for men. The plan was bigger. Simon Peter thought that Jesus was just using his boat. Jesus was going to use his entire life. Jesus wants to use your entire life. The picture is so much bigger than we ever thought or imagined. I know sometimes I place parameters around Jesus on what he can do because it's just safer that way, isn't it? It's measurable. It's controllable. But the truth is that Jesus isn't bound by our self-imposed limitations. C.S. Lewis says about Aslan, he isn't a tame lion. He's not safe, but he is good. The plan for our lives is so much bigger. And sometimes we can catch a glimpse of those plans. It's like we get a kind of insight into the plans that he has for us. I remember doing the marriage preparation course at HCB. My wife and I have been married nearly four years. And as we were doing the preparation course, it came to the evening where there's that question. You may have something in your life that like, you, you have a dream for that you need to just talk about. You know, the, I feel like we should move to Brazil. Well, I feel like I should be called to Cornwall. Well, maybe talk about that. And, and, and my one was really tentatively saying, oh, you know, maybe someday, way in, way, way in the future, I maybe, probably not, but might be called to be a vicar. At which point my wife went, oh, yeah, I had a prophetic sense that I would marry someone who wasn't a vicar but would become a vicar. I freaked out more than her. I thought she was going to freak out. I freaked out because I realized that it was kind of like a moment where God was spotlighting me, breaking in and saying, don't be surprised. I have big plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you. And they are big and I know them already. How do you carry on marriage prep after that? Jesus is expanding our imagination for what could be in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. Imagine what could be through Love Hampton Wick as we tell people about Jesus, as we put the nets out one more time. It's a scary thing that his plans are bigger than we could imagine. And our tendency is to do what Simon Peter does when we catch a glimpse of those plans. is to fall on our knees and say, oh God, no, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. 
I'm not worthy of those plans. If you knew who I was, if you knew what I'd done. But hear the words that Jesus says in response to Peter. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch people. Don't be afraid. The plan is so much bigger. You're going to catch people into my kingdom. Don't be afraid. You're going to be culture changers, world shapers. The plan is big because our God is big. And he's qualified you with a new identity. And he is with you to guide you and increase your impact. And he is expanding your imagination for what the future looks like. Amen. Should we stand and let's just invite Jesus on the boat? Let's invite the spirit to come.